Hi everyone, Holly from Safe for Kids here and I'm delighted to bring you this amazing young man. I listened to a podcast that he did a couple of weeks ago and um, I was just blown away with that, about how he spoke about pornography and how it affected his life. He's a, an inspiring young man. So I reached out to him on Instagram and um, and Smith agreed to meet with us today. So thanks for meeting with us today, mate. I'm so glad to be here. Um and, you know, I'm glad that social media, Instagram, there is still good ways to get connected with good people, right? So the one good thing that comes from social media. <laughs> and that's the uh, thing. We don't want to demonize technology because there are some amazing tools. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when when young people are, are coming across pornography, um, yeah, there's, there's a dark side as well. And plus the grooming and all that sort of stuff. So. Tell us about your experience um, and how you got into Well, tell us about what you do and how you got into it. So I was first exposed with pornography at eight and a half, nine years old. I just had a small Android tablet. And my parents, in fact, were always super outspoken about the problems of pornography and how prominent that is. And we had Wi-Fi filters, but somehow... um, after a Google search, pornography popped up on my screen and it just kind of planted that seed of curiosity. Um, and I always remembered that. And as I continued in my life, as I continued down the road, you know, 10 years old, 11, 12, getting into those tween years where I was dealing with a lot of hormones and a lot of new feelings, being feeling the social pressure of uh, middle school, um, it became a coping mechanism for me and it became something where it was how I dealt with my emotions it was how I dealt with anger boredom loneliness stress it was my way out it was my quick fix to um, get the fake love and the fake connection that I thought I needed when what I really needed was real connection real love which I'll talk about later but so quickly did I see the love and connection drain out of me when I stopped to when I stopped trying to get that from my family and trying to get that from my friends because I didn't really feel that there so I think is a huge problem um, kids especially not getting the love and connection that they need but when I started to um, try instead to get those feelings and that rush of emotions and that what felt like love and what felt like connection to me when I started to try and get that from pornography, um, that's when my life just took a horrible turn. And so uh, at the age 10, at the age of 10, I started using regularly. Um, and by 13, I was watching pornography three or four times a day. And I really, at 13 years old, I had given up and I was constantly just trying to numb myself. And I was constantly just trying to escape this world. And I was constantly just trying to get a little bit of good feeling, just a small rush from pornography. And so at this dark time in my life, uh, I felt no love. I felt like my friends didn't care about me. I felt like my family didn't love me. And I felt like uh, my God had personally abandoned me. And so after about a year, a year and a half of that, I'm 14 years old, um, my parents caught me. And I'm so glad that they did. 
And we'll talk a lot later with parents, especially about things to look for um, in your teenagers and your tweens and your kids, how to keep your um, house safe. But I always tell my parents that I'm so grateful for not, not only that they caught me, but the way they handled it when they caught me. Um, I know, and I tell them all the time that I never would have had the courage and the humility that it takes to go to my parents and say, hey, I messed up, I got bit. And so I thank them daily for catching me. Um, kids that have that courage, that have that humility to talk to their parents about these problems are amazing. Um, all kids are amazing, right? <laughs> Yes. And so um, at this time in my life, I kind of had a decision to make. I kind of had this choice where I was either going to pity myself and I was going to just dig myself deeper in the hole. I was going to choose to give up, um, continue in my ways. Don't, I was going to choose to not care about what my parents said, what they wanted me to do or I was going to fight and I was going to fight to be the man that I want to become that I was going to fight to be able to help people. And I remember the night that my parents caught me later, super late that night, my mom came down to me and she grabbed my face and she said, Smith, I'm never going to give up on you and I will always fight for you, but you have to fight for yourself first. And so that's the time in my life where I, I decided to fight for my life and I decided to become the person that I want to be. And so it all started. I went and talked to my religious leader. Uh, I got into a program uh, for church youth who struggled with pornography. Um, and as I started to fight, even though temptations and uh, the addictive behaviors and how pornography had affected my brain so much was still all there, I found so much joy in the fight and I found so much joy in bringing my addiction and my struggle into the light. I always like to say, um, there's a really great quote. It says pornography is grown in solitude and destroying community. And once I was able to bring that, my struggle out into community, that's what changed my life. And I love to see how my life changed. That next year, I was the SBO vice president of my uh, junior high school. I started varsity lacrosse as a freshman for the high school. Um, I began to explore more of my hobbies. I bought a super old car in 1962 Ford Thunderbird that I love to work on. Um, bought an old motorcycle, started fixing that up. And just being able to not only spend less time watching pornography and even less time on social media, but focusing on what I really love to do and gaining back that connection, not only with myself through my hobbies and what fulfills me, but also um, getting that connection back with my friends and my family. It's amazing. I have a little sister, she's 14 and during these six years of my pornography um, struggles, we were neck and neck all the time. Like, so you're I mean, 16 you now, is that right? Sorry. You're, you're, si that? you're 16 now. Yeah, I'm going to be 17 in a week from now. 
So, but they still need. Yeah. Um, and so she's now 14, but for the longest time we fought and we fought and we fought. And the minute that I started fighting, because pornography so much of the time is such a selfish thing, um, it's portrayed so selfishly in the industry. I was able to start to look outside myself. I focused on looking outside myself, on serving others. And that's when all of my relationships changed. That's when my sister became my best friend. I now have a great, great relationship with my amazing parents. I don't fight with them as much. I have amazing friends who I know would do anything for me. Um, friends who feel like family. And it was at that point, it was at that point where I didn't just want this for myself. I didn't just want this amazing feeling for myself. And I wanted every person struggling to feel like this, to feel the way I had, to feel free again, to feel like they destroy what destroys them. Because being able to be the victor, being able to be the conqueror of that struggle, of that addiction, it's an amazing feeling. And so this is the point in my life where I started to uh, reach out to people and help people. And it all started with one of my really good friends. His name is Landon. And he, we met at a summer camp um, almost two years ago. And I decided, I decided before I went there that I was going to share my story, to share my struggles with all the boys in my dorm um, the first night. And so I did that and I talked to them about what I'd struggled with. I talked to them about uh, the fact that I know that they're struggling with that too, because as a peer, I see the influence on, of pornography on especially young men, um, young women too. And I, me and my dad like to joke around. It's, we say we're joking around, but it's so true. We say, 95% of boys are watching pornography and the other 5% are lying about watching pornography. And so it was this time where I just knew that so many boys were struggling with this. So many boys felt like they were worthless, didn't know their true value. And so at this camp, I talked to those boys about my story. And the next night, Landon came to me and he told me how he was struggling with pornography. Um, not only that, but uh, depression and anxiety that had come from the comparison that he saw on social media. Uh, and all of that peer pressure that he got, uh, especially off of social media, he just, it was tearing him apart. And so that night, he asked me to reinforce the restrictions that his parents had put on because they weren't enough. And so he had known the parental restrictions passcode. So I took that, changed it, put up all my own restrictions, spent about two hours trying myself to get through the restrictions, seeing if I could, if I could, altering them so he couldn't. And it was at that time and the months later, as I watched Landon build himself back up and reconstruct his life, and as I watched him uh, take back what he had lost, and as I watched him connect with others, and as I watched him reconnect with his family and his friends, 
and be able to um, take the overwhelming amount of love and joy he felt and went go and explore his hobbies and fulfill those. And as I saw him fill his hole, as I had, well, I watched him do that. And when I realized that I'm the one who helped him do that, it was like filling my hole 10 times over. And I just could not get enough of helping these people. And it was so touching. And I will never forget in my life the feeling that I felt watching Landon um, get, take his life back. And so from then on, it was whoever I could talk to about pornography, I was going to talk to them, especially um, my peers, especially other young men. And so then it followed with my lacrosse team. And after a practice, we were doing drills and I was talking to one of my other friends who I'd gotten to come to the um, recovery group that I had been going to. And we were just talking about it. And a few of the other guys came in and started talking to us, asking us questions about it. One of them said, I don't know if what you guys are talking about is real. I don't know if that actually exists, but if it does, I want to be a part of it. And so at the next day we had a big game. And after the game, we didn't even talk to our coach. We sprinted off the field and we hopped in one of our friend's trucks and we drove down to this group. And again, as I watched these young men who, um, some of them didn't have the best habits, but as I watched them regain their charisma, as I watched them become gentlemen, uh, as I watched them take their take joy and bring it back into their lives. Again, it was like filling my hole a hundred times over. And four out of six of those guys graduated through the program that I did and are doing amazing things. Um, and that, that just hit me. And so uh, I, growing up, I was always in the Boy Scout program and my parents told me that I had to get my Eagle Scout um, award before I could get my driver's license. And so when I decided that, um, that I was going to have to get my Eagle Scout, I wanted it to really be something that I was, uh, that was meaningful to me and that I was passionate about. And so, uh, last November, about a year ago, I put on a fireside, um, about the harmful effects of pornography and Funny story, my dad, he was like, buddy, I love you. I think this is going to be great, but I just don't want you to get your expectations up. He said, um, he said that he didn't think that over 50 to 75 people would show up. And me being my confident and stubborn self, I bet him dinner on it. And so um, when 200 plus people attended that fireside, to listen to my message, that's when, first of all, I got dinner from my dad. But second of all, um, as I was able to tell my story and to look out in a crowd of young men and young women and parents who cared and who knew that pornography will be the thing that um, 
that tears this world apart if we let it. Um, it's the biggest crisis that we have right now. And so as I looked at them and afterwards, as parents and mothers called me and asked me to come help set up restrictions on their devices and in their home, it, I felt that this was my life calling and that this is what I wanted to do um, the rest of my life. And so um, I continued to plan speaking events. I had, I was going to do a high school assembly up in Idaho um, and a few other firesides, but then we had the COVID-19 pandemic and those were all canceled, unfortunately. Throughout this whole time, two and a half years, I've been working at Chick-fil-A, um, good old Southern hospitality. And so uh, I decided that I was going to quit my job. I was a manager at 16 years old and I started at what is now a company called Protect, where I just go and help parents set up um, restrictions on their kids' phones, know what Wi-Fi routers to get, what to put on laptops, and then talk to the kids about living life bigger. And that's really my whole thing is, um, is, yeah, even if you're not watching pornography, even if you don't feel major depression or anxiety from social media, which you probably do if you're a teenager and you're on social media, but even if you are the 1% who doesn't, what could you be doing with that time instead? Um, what could you be doing to become the person you wanna be? What could you be doing to live life bigger? Uh, if you don't mind, I wanna read just something that I posted about connection. And I think that the bottom line is connection and that's what we all need as humans so this was september 2nd that i posted this and i said our world is facing its greatest crisis yet the biggest challenge to overcome if our nation our world falls it will be because the screens in our pocket and in our home made us forget how to love how to laugh how to connect how to empathize how to feel joy, happiness, sadness, charity, love, devotion, how to have emotion. It will be because we began to look for love from technology before we look for love in real life. I'm willing to do what's necessary to help people reconnect and live bigger. Are you? And I think that's what everything well comes down to. <laughs> I think that what everything boils down to is that Pornography, for me and for everyone, pornography is this way that people try and get love, people try and get connection, but it's not going to be enough. It'll never be enough to fulfill the human's needs. I believe that we were created to love, created to connect with each other, not with our phones. And so as I, I mean, the bottom line is that we need to be able to connect with each other instead of pornography. And I think uh, social media harms that. I think a lot of distractions um, take away from that real love, that real connection. But I think pornography is the biggest because it's so intense, because it's uh, normalized and shamed at the same time because it's so prominent, I think that's why 
it's the biggest threat to us. That's why it can make someone feel worse than they've ever felt before. And that's why it is detrimental to our society, especially to our youth. Um, and it's something that we need to fight and be vocal about. And which is why I decided to do this. I decided that this is my life calling that I will do this for the rest of my life, uh, no matter what it takes. And so that's my spiel. That's uh, my two cents on that. Um, there are so many gold moments in there. Um, can, can you just take us back to how you mentioned how well your parents um, handled it? Because I know, um, you know, I, I wrote two books to help parents talk to their children from the age of six, um, and I call them private pictures or private movies. Um, and in the back of the book I've got um, information about when, when I'm talking to adults, um, about pornography, they go back to their childhood and you're probably not even going to know half the stuff that I'm going to talk about because in the olden days, you know, pornography was in a magazine or on a calendar or whatever. And so they think about that Playboy magazine under the brother's bed or in dad's cupboard or whatever. They're not realising the violence, the all of the, you know, the stuff that young people are seeing um, and parents, you know, I'm always asked, if I talk about it, surely it will turn them on to it. Right. And I say it won't. So can you just tell us how, how your beautiful parents handled it and didn't make you feel demonised and, and, and they supported you? Yeah, well, first of all, it's important to know that my dad talked to me a lot about this in before the technology era you had to seek out pornography, right? It was something that you had to go and get. Um, but what a lot of people don't realize now is that the internet, social media, all of these sources are anxious to show your kids pornography. Uh, Colin Carson and I joke a lot about the fact that you type in Ashley in the Instagram browser and it'll bring up the most, the top 10 sketchiest Ashleys um, the top 10 most pornographic Ashley's that it has at first. And then it'll show you like, you know, the really goody two shoes Ashley's below that. And so first of all, like your kids are not bad kids for being exposed to pornography. They're not even bad kids for viewing pornography. Um, it's physically altering their brain. Um, it is an addictive substance. So it's not because they're horrible kids and they're seeking it out. Um, in fact, the internet, which you probably gave to them, was anxious to show that to them. And so I think that's at first a big thing um, and an important thing to realize. Second of all, how you handle when you're, uh, either when you catch your kids um, being exposed to pornography or viewing pornography or if your kids have the courage and humility to tell you about them. And I'll say this, when you find out that your kids, and it's a when, by the way, notice I said when, not if, uh, when you find out that your kids are watching pornography, the first thing that you do is you give them a hug and it should be eight seconds. It's shown that 
you humans need eight eight second hugs a day to be emotionally and mentally stable and so the first thing they need is an eight second hug the second thing they need is for you to tell them that you love them you don't yell at them you don't scream at them you don't rage take away their phone but they just need to know that you love them that you're there for them and then the third thing is ask them how you can support them ask your kid how they need help what they need help with how you as a family can beat this plague um it's not about it's not mom versus dad i say this a lot of the times in my in-home consultations because a lot of the time kids are mad that I'm helping put restrictions on their phone. And I say, the battle is not mom and dad versus you guys. It's not mom and dad versus the kids. This is not the battle. It's your family. Your family is your team. Your family versus the world versus technology versus pornography versus social media. That's the battle. And your family needs to be united. Your family needs to agree that you're going to fight and um, know how you're going to do that and be committed to the cause and the best way to fight. And so I think that's a really important thing. So talking with your kid about how you can support them instead of just saying, here's X, Y, and Z that's gonna happen. Um, talking with them about you know, what they were dealing with and how to try and take that out of their lives is the most important thing. Um, and I think that, honestly, it's just a lot of love because pornography digs that hole out of your heart. And um, the one thing that you need to fill it is love. And so make sure that you're hugging your kids eight times a day for eight seconds. Uh, that's just one minute out of your day that you have to take to give hugs, which is, should be the most glorious part of your day. Um, and so making sure that there's so much love, an open conversation about when, not if, uh, an open conversation about how any encounter with pornography will be not embraced, but, it, but you will be embraced, right? The kids will be embraced and they will stand with their kids to fight against pornography, not stand against their kids. And so I think that open conversation, uh, putting love in life, put, getting connection back in life, I think it's funny that parents are like, oh, my kids are watching pornography, and then they're at night scrolling through Facebook for an hour. Uh, kids need that connection. Kids need that time spent with parents, um, spent with siblings, spent with friends, um, off of screens. Technology is such a distraction, a buffer, a wall in between us and connecting with people. I have my best friend, his name's Cole. And the, my favorite thing about him is that whenever he wants to talk to me, he won't text me. He'll text me, hey, and then once I answer, he'll call me and he'll have a conversation on the phone. And if he's not doing anything, sometimes he won't text or call me and he'll just show up at my house to have a real conversation. It's so important that we get in front of people. It's so important that we um, instill love back into our lives because I feel like pornography um, 
and the other issues that I mentioned have taken that out uh, at such an extreme rate that it's hard to fill that void back again. Beautiful. Um, when I'm working with young men, they admit to me at watching at least two hours a week of pornography. And I mm -hmm. think they're playing it down a bit, to be honest. Yeah. But when I say, fellas, why would you look at that? They say, oh, to learn technique, miss, or to learn style. So in Utah, um, in Australia, I, I don't think we do a good job of teaching sex education to young people. In my experience, we usually do STIs and unwanted pregnancies, but we're not doing, you know, what does a healthy relationship look like and um, talking about consent and all of those beautiful things. So where you are, is um, sex education taught well in schools, do you think, generally? Um, it's, it's taught pretty well. I think it could be taught better, of course, including, um, you know, what could be how relationships could be better. As far as... You know, young men say learning technique, learning style. I read a um, I read an article the other day from Fight the New Drug, and they said that the likelihood of pornography um, not not portraying uh, sexual violence or rape is one in one decillion which means that you'd have to have a billion Empire State Buildings filled with pennies, and you'd have to choose the right Empire State Building, go to the right floor, and pick the right penny. And if you pick that one right penny, one out of one decillion, that's when you find that pornography that does not portray sexual violence or rape. And so when young men say that, you know, they want to learn technique or style, well, what they're going to learn is how to go to jail because pornography portrays rape, sexual violence. That's what they're going to learn from it. Um, what was, sorry, what was that other question? Oh, no, just about, yeah, if, if it's taught well and, you know, that it should include consent because, of course, in pornography there is no kissing, there is no foreplay, there is no consent, and, and yet we know 88% of you know, porn is violence against women. So, um, yeah, I just was wondering, as a young person, where do you want to learn about sex? Do you want to learn it from parents? Do you want to learn it from school? You definitely don't want to learn it from pornography. Um, yeah, I mean, pornography is just such an aggressive, violent way to learn about sex. Um, at this group that I went to, this recovery group, my counsellor would always talk about how uh, how real love, real sex is uh, not only is sex a small part of intimacy, you know, there, it's such a small part of intimacy, there's so much more that plays into that, but that when real sex should be so awkward, he says, so awkward that it's beautiful. And so um, having that pure heart, I think, um, where it's not aggressive, where it's consensual. And I think a lot of that needs to be taught by parents. A lot of that, you know, um, needs to be taught in schools as well, just how you need to, I think we need to talk more about feelings and emotions and um, less about science and sex education and how um, everything needs to be about caring for a partner and everything needs to be about loving a partner instead of 
um, getting sexual pleasure or sexual use out of a partner. Um, real love is loyal. Fight the new drug always says, and that just can't be seen in pornography. And real love should be beautiful. Real love should be caring. Um, and as far as I'm concerned, I watched a lot of pornography and I did not see one video where um, the sex was portrayed as loving and caring. So, so I, I'm worried about your time. I really appreciate you giving me this this time. Um, if you were stood in front of a classroom full of young people, both boys and girls here in Australia, what would your message be to them? I think my message would be uh, a lot of my story, but also that it's okay to get bit. Again, the internet is anxious to show you pornography. It's okay to feel that way. So many people do too, but that it's so important that you take back your life. Pornography will not help you in any way. It's so important that you uh, regain and put real love, real connection back in your life because that's when you find complete joy and complete happiness. There's nothing, there's nothing worse than getting that fake connection and fake love. So I'd say that kids, teenagers, be brave, be humble. Tell your parents that you got bit. Seek help from them. Seek help in other resources, you know, whether that's um, fight the new drug, whether that's safe for kids, whatever that is. Um, join the fight because in the fight you find happiness. Um, in the fight you find real love. In the fight you find real connection. And that's something that pornography will not portray. That's something that you will not see there. And once you see and once you're able to get that in your life, it'll change how you live. It'll change how you feel. It'll change how you think. It's changed my life. Um, and it's changed my life exponentially. Every day is a thousand times better than the day before because every day I'm one day past uh, April 23rd, 2018, which is the last day that I watched pornography. And that fight is worth it. That fight will never stop. You will always have those neural pathways that have been molded. Um, and so join the fight, kids. Like, this is something that we have to overcome or else it's going to destroy us. Um, but remember that there's hope. Remember that this is something that you can get over um, and that there is support. And of course, remember that Addiction is grown in solitude and destroyed in community, and that there are so many better ways to spend your time on technology. Um, not only if you're watching pornography, there's better ways to spend it than that, but also just social media, video games, whatever that is, anything that stimulates your brain um, when it shouldn't. There are so many better things, amazing hobbies awaiting you. Um, I, I spoke at an event down in St. George, Utah, and I just end my, you know, my little tidbit to the kids as I did there, and it's dream a big dream and live life bigger. Wow, what an inspiring young man you are. I just wish we could get you across here to Australia when everything settles down. 
Um, I've been involved with running a few conferences and and I think your message, your passion, um, you know, the way that, um, you know, it is about connections. You know, there's an amazing psychologist from Canada, um, Gabor uh, Matei, and he talks about addictions, other addictions, and it's all about connections. Mm-hmm. So um, I really want to thank you for your time. Um, I'm going to share this on YouTube and, and all my Instagram and everything, but I'll also tag, if it's okay, um, your pages so that um, people can follow you. And um, I'm really looking forward to seeing your online um courses because that's why I was asking earlier before we started recording because you know if if parents in Australia could be getting the value and and you know signing up to your courses I think it would be really um you know you're a big country we're a big country too but we've got a small population so I'd love the um, Australian um, families to benefit from everything that you're doing so um Thank you for your time. And yeah, of course. Thank you. I keep, I look forward to following your um, world domination. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you.